Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Childs examines the importance of milk recording and details the various reports available to review herd and individual cow performance. Okay, so good morning, everyone, and welcome to uh, today's Let's Talk Dairy. And today I'm going to talk about milk recording reports. Um, I've done some work there with Don Crowley on this subject in the last couple of weeks and uh, just want to share it with you, I suppose. So uh, we did a bit with Don last year. Don is unavailable today now because he's busy doing um, BPS stuff and so forth, uh, as well as his auto job of milk quality specialist. Um, so he's, I, I'm just going to go through the work that we've covered today. As I said, Dan was on with me last uh, June or July, I think it was. Maybe we did a session on milk recording as well. And it was very well received in terms of the numbers that were on on the day. And there was actually quite a lot of people look back at the recording of it as well. So there's obviously quite a bit of interest in there, out there um, in relation to the reports. So obviously a lot of people um, are, are milk recording. And I suppose... Uh, I see Progressive Genetics saying the other day on uh, Agriland that there has been a big increase relative to 2019 figures. They're ignoring 2020 because of the fact that COVID impacted on milk recording taking place on farms at the time. Um, big increase in milk recording in the Progressive area and obviously we've already seen that increase in the monster catchment as well um, through the incentives that have been put in place by some of the co-ops um, over the last number of years. So look, milk recording in general, I suppose, is, is underutilized, I suppose, in a lot of ways and is underdone, as in there's not enough herds recording. So we have a high proportion of cows, probably close to 60% of cows maybe now at this stage. I'm slightly speculating on that now, but uh, we would have had 55, 60% of cows um, maybe in the past being recorded, but the number of herds would be lower. So larger herds, milk recording would contribute more cows, obviously, to the total that were being recorded. Um, whereas the number of herds was lower. And that's beginning to lift, as I said, because of incentives being put in place and because of the importance of milk recording, I suppose, going into the future. So milk recording is important into the future from the point of view of identifying superior cows, obviously, that are producing high levels of solids and are very productive. And that's important from a, an environmental point of view as well as an economic point of view. So milk recording is something that people need to be considering if they're not already doing it. Uh, and need to be then using the information and that's what today is going to be about focusing on using the information from the, the first report in particular. So I suppose lots of people, um, more so now I suppose than ever before, there's more of these things are going to people's emails rather than paper uh, with a kind of a view to increasing sustainability around not using paper unnecessarily and maybe people don't always follow through and look, up, look these up. Um, but I suppose I'm going to focus on that first recording I suppose I know it's the 29th of April now, we're talking to the recorders, some of the monster recorders there now in the last couple of days. They are beginning to finish their first cycle of first, first recordings. So people that may be only on um, the A4 scheme would say where they're only coming in uh, every eight weeks. Might, they tend to wait quite a long time before they do their first recording. Uh, so some people are going on to their second recording and those that are recording monthly are um, on to their third and maybe heading into their fourth recording. So today I'm just going to go through a few slides in relation to um, what you should be looking for and I'm going to show you a couple of examples in terms of the reports as well. So I'll just share a couple of slides here now. First, so as I said, I want to give Dan the, the credit of the work that he's put into it with me as well in terms of this. 
So as I said, a lot of people getting reports and not actually doing anything with them uh, in many cases, or maybe looking at them, but not actually acting on them. And that's the, I suppose that's the critical piece is to move it from the, oh yeah, look at that coach, is high in cell count. Now what do we do with or is probably the next step. Uh, and the whole issue of cell count is important, I suppose, uh, every year, but Dan is making the point that given the way milk price is at this stage, um, obviously the year is looking quite positive. And as we go on through the year, obviously in solids increase, milk price increases as well. And we have a, ver- a lot of very high value milk as the year progresses. Uh, and it, we don't want cell count to come in the way of cows achieving full lactations um, so that they can, we can harvest as much of that um, monetary value of the milk as possible. So it's important that we get on top of cell count from an early stage, I suppose is the point that we're trying to make. So just in terms of the reports, obviously the objectives from your first milk recording uh, reports would be that you want to assess your dry cow therapy performance. Now, as I said, some of the people are only just completing their fourth or their first milk recording, and that's quite late, obviously. And we've alluded to that before talking about the, the selective dry cow therapy and also general dry cow therapy as well, just to assess performance. It's important that your milk recording less than 60 days of the, within 60 days of the first cow calving in order to get full information. So it's quite important that the milk recording takes place early. So if you're one of those people that's late uh, doing that first milk recording, that temptation, I suppose, is there to delay the milk recording until as many cows as possible are available to be recorded. Uh, you're actually losing out a lot of information uh, by doing that. And I suppose the, the reason that many people do that is when they're on the A4 scheme, we'll say, so they're only recording four times during the course of the year are trying to get the best bang for their buck but in reality I think uh, with what's coming down the tracks at us in terms of reduced antibiotic usage and the whole selective tricot therapy piece um, we are probably going to have to be looking to move to more close uh, probably at least six times a year recording and maybe possibly more. Um, the, I suppose using the plans or the reports then to plan a containment strategy for cell count so obviously regardless of when you've actually done your first recording um, if you're going to get a problem cow report from that first recording um, and you're going to have cows obviously identified on that that have a cell count problem on the day of the recording. Now I suppose it's important to point out that not always uh, or that it's not always the case that cell count um, reading high on a report is a result of a mastitis infection. It could be a cow stressed at the time, it could be a cow bullying on a given day. There, it's only a measurement of white blood cells being produced. Um, now, obviously, it is associated with inflammation and mastitis in, in, cell, in cows, but um, if, if you don't find a cause, or if you check a cow and find that she doesn't seem to have a cell count, it, you may just need to think back, was there anything on the day of the recording that maybe uh, had the cow a little bit hyper or whatever that would have potentially uh, induced a cell count response um, for some other reason other than mastitis. Now, that's not to say that, that it couldn't be a spike in cell count from some sort of a, a mastitis episode that may not have manifested itself into a, into a clinical case, but it's just important, I suppose, that you kind of factor in that not all SCC is necessarily going to be um, cell count or, sorry, mastitis related. The other thing that we can use then um, is to identify cows for calling based on cell count so that the repeat offenders, and I'll show you an example of a report in a minute, uh, just to identify how you can identify those repeat offenders uh, and looking at lifetime performance data then as well that you can just identify the cows that you shouldn't be breeding and there's a lot of herds already started breeding nice nice bit of activity for the AI people at the moment already even though next week will probably be the week that they'll 
be expecting to really get going. But they've started a little bit earlier than normal, it seems, this year. I think the temptation was there for people to start AI earlier when cows were coming, bullying, etc. So it's important, I suppose, we get we can get focused on those first three weeks, like we're telling you to, obviously. Um, and we kind of tend to maybe put everything into the crush that comes bullying and serve them. Um, and at the very minimum, there's some of those cows that are going in should be getting beef straws, possibly. But if they're repeat offenders around SEC and have very poor lifetime performance data, and again, I'll show you an example of that lifetime performance data because it's new for this year. I suppose it came out last year, but um, wasn't available this time last year to people. It's only come out through the, during the summer. Um, definitely from a cell count point of view, but a total point, uh, production point of view as well. There are cows in herbs that need to be um, sent packing, basically. As I said, you want a full team out when you're um, trying to produce milk. You want everyone playing to their best level, and those poor performers need to be examined and either completely replaced with a high-quality um, replacement coming through or at the very minimum bred to be so that you're not breeding a replacement for, from them. Um, and as I said, the, the lifetime reports are new and they make it quite easy, I suppose, to at least select out the bottom 20% of um, those main group of cows. And as I said, I'll show you there now shortly. So the reports that are important, look, you get a raft of reports there. Obviously, you get the detailed report uh, on the cows. You're getting the lifetime reports available. The cell check report on the milk recording farm SCC is what it comes up on when you look at your ICBF, but it's, it's titled the problem cow report. And that's the one that we're going to focus on today from the point of view of the, the dry cow, or sorry, the uh, this containment strategy that I'm talking about, and then a little bit more on the lifetime report subsequently. But with the cell check reports, you're looking at trends over time. Let's say you get the little graphs that will show you how you've been performing over the, the maybe the period beforehand, last year's dry cow, or last year's uh, lactation phase, etc. Then the, I suppose the most important thing from this cell check report for, for the first and second recordings, I suppose, would be the dry cow therapy performance statistics. Uh, and that's important regardless of whether we're looking at a selective dry cow therapy scenario or whether we're looking at um, uh, blanket dry cow therapy. So like we could have used blanket dry cow therapy, but if we've used the wrong um, antibiotic in the first place, or maybe just the, the antibiotic hasn't been effective for whatever reason, then we, we're going to get a lot of that information showing up on this report if the recordings are done in time. Then the other thing which I can, we cannot, Dan and I cannot emphasize enough, um, the recording of mastitis incidents is going to be very, very important as we move into this lower antibiotic usage um, period that we're coming into our period. I suppose the future is going to be of reduced antibiotics. And we need to be very aware of what cows have had infections during the course of the year. And looking at the reports as we have been in the last number of weeks, as I said, uh, getting this information together, you can see that there are people that are maybe selectively drying off cows when you look at the profiles. Now, when I won't be showing you profiles today, uh, but I would suggest that you can talk to one of our, my colleagues, we'll say, in, in advisory, if you want to go through profiles and examine the performance of your dry cow therapy, potentially. Um, but when you look at profiles, you can see that there are blips in cell count along the way, maybe uh, cows recorded as having a case of mastitis, maybe that might have actually been submitted then for, for dry cow therapy. And again, as I would have shown you last year, um, an example of a cow where she actually had mastitis twice during the course of the lactation, but actually never had a cell count issue at the time of recording due to the timing of the, the uh, mastitis incidences between the recordings. 
So it's important that we're making good use of all the apps uh, that are available. And uh, if, you, if you're not on any one of the commercial apps that are out there already, um, you could look at them, but also um, ICBF actually have their own health recording app as well for, that will cover this for you. So, and that's free to people, so you could use that if you wanted to, as well to record your mastitis incidents, to make sure that it appears on your, your milk recording reports. So then the, the, the problem cow report, as it's more better known, is going to show the current performance in terms of cell count of the cows, so which cows are given trouble at the moment. And obviously, uh, you may not always know uh, these cows. Obviously, if cows have had mastitis and you're aware that they've had mastitis, you might be expecting some of these cows to be on the report. But there are cows there that could have cell count problems and haven't uh, shown any clinical signs, obviously. And that's why we need to have milk recording information so that we can identify these. As I said, you're trying to identify the problems then early because generally, I suppose, a lot of people will have down in an okay kind of a situation. Um, and as the year progresses, then the, if they don't stay on top of the cell count or if they're not managing their cell count, cell count can spread depending on the bacteria, but the vast majority of it is kind of, is, has all, all has potential to spread with the exception of E. coli, mastitis, etc. Um, so we need to try and get a handle of this from an early stage in the lactation. And as I said, like Dan has pointed out, if we can keep a lid on this, uh, and that's probably the wrong term because it, it, that kind of sounds like fire, uh, firefighting, kind of keeping control of it. Um, but if we can manage cell count from early in the lactation, we're going to have a much better uh, cell count towards the end of lactation, which will allow us to milk for longer because there are herds every year that have to dry off cows early and dry off herds early even because they just get fed up with trying to handle the cell count problems because they're just mounted and mounted over the course of the year. And then we'll just have a look as well in a minute then at actions for these cows to control cell count during the lectation, okay? So I suppose I'll show you an example of this again in a minute. Um, just the dry cow therapy performance. It's for, and I, I just have to highlight here again, cows with recording greater than 60 days after calving are not going to be included in this. So it can, you have to be careful if you're not recording, uh, within less than more or less less than two months of starting to calve, your information here could be a bit suspect, I suppose, or could be you'd want to treat it with a level of caution anyway, in particular, because you're not going to have all your cows included in the, the figures. So um, I suppose you're just looking to make sure that you're under these targets here. Uh, the case that I'll show you in a minute now is over some of the targets in, in some of the cases. And then this uh, cure rate over the dry period is important to see how is your um, dry cow therapy actually after performing. Now again, there comes this all comes with a caveat. So, so I suppose while you can look at these yourself, if you really want to interpret them, is probably you probably need to be talking to one of ourselves maybe in order to get the the full handle on it potentially because we'll be looking at them more often and obviously a little bit more experience with them potentially. Um, but the numbers here are small, so I suppose if you get 8 out of 9 here, you're going over the target of the 85% here, whereas the 7 out of 9 scenario here is 78%. So I suppose if you have a very good cell count in general from last year, didn't have a lot of high cows in the last recording before um, drying off, and uh, you've kind of okay cure rate and are pretty um, a reasonable cure rate in the subsequent recording in the, first, in the next lactation, there is a possibility that you're not going to hit the target here, but that there may not necessarily be an issue here. So I suppose what you'll be looking for probably in this scenario is that this is off of a first recording report. You take a look at the second recording report then as well, 
uh, when it will be done just to see when you've all the codes or more or less all the codes um, into the equation what's the cure rate looking like then now looking at some of the reports again as i said um, myself and dan were going through these with the last couple of with the last week or so um, we've seen big variation in how these have been you see the 85 and 90 percent cure rates but you also see 55 60 65 percent and then i suppose as i said you have to go digging to see if the data is good uh, and when it is good then you're just saying that there's definitely some question mark about either the technique of the application of the dry coat tube maybe is there dirt being introduced at the time that you're not getting the kill that you'd expect or, or is it a, an issue around the actual performance of the dry coat tube for you is it the right dry coat tube so i suppose definitely if you're seeing an issue here and the numbers are making sense that it's it's looking like there is a problem i think it's probably worth looking at a culture and sensitivity even at this stage of the year as well because as I said, antibiotics are becoming slightly more limited and I think COVID has even uh, caused a bit of trouble for us as, as the farming population getting some um, ingredients and actives available to, to the agricultural industry maybe and maybe even availability of factories to uh, make stuff has become a, a small bit of an issue. So there's a kind of slightly limited choice maybe when it comes to milking cow tubes that we'll be using during the course of the season as well. So it's very, very important then that you're going to be using the right tubes when you do get a case of mastitis. So I think that culture and sensitivity is worthwhile looking at, um, even at this stage of the year, to make sure that the lactation tube that you're going to be using is going to be effective against the mastitis that's in your herd, as well as identifying maybe what the source of mastitis or what's the causative agent. So is it a strep or is it a staph situation that you're dealing with? Uh, and identifying that early on is important. Um, so for me, I think culture and sensitivity around this time of year from uh, maybe cows that, a cow that has had mastitis or a couple of isomatic cell count cows where you identify the quarters. I suppose it's important. Identify the cow, identify the quarter, sample that quarter uh, and get the information from that. That's something that Willie Buckley, who's involved with AHI, is very adamant about rather than sampling the cow that has high cell count because when you sample a cow that has high cell count, she may only have high cell count in one quarter. Uh, and it just maybe reduces the opportunity to, to grow up the, the bugs in the lab. So by sampling the quarter that is given the trouble, you're improving the chances of getting better feedback from it. Just in the clinical mastitis, as I said, it's important that we're recording this properly. Um, and I suppose when it is occurring to identify the cause, as I said there a minute ago about getting the culture and sensitivity, we need to emphasize to you that the recording a case is important. So you can see here, that on the example here, there was five cows or five cases of mastitis and um, it might necessarily be five cows. It could be a cow get a repeat case uh, very rapidly after being finished. So five clinical cases in cows that were less than 30 days calved. And that's important, I suppose, as well from the point of view of trying to identify when, where is the source of it. So when we see this happening, you're asking questions around two issues, I suppose, the calving area, um, and also in the actual dry cow period as well. So was there an issue in terms of the application of the dry cow therapy? Uh, was it a cedar only maybe scenario in some cases, which may, and the calving areas then have contributed to mastitis being picked up at the point of calving that, um, because sealer has been removed or whatever. So that, that information is vital. So that critical mas uh, clinical mastitis recording needs to be uh, recorded properly. And as I said, there are many ways of doing it and it doesn't have, you don't have to necessarily pay for it. Obviously there's the text messaging service as well to ICBF that you'll see on your ICBF notebooks 
uh, the numbers on the back of that if you want to text in the code that has had mastitis, it'll help bring it up here on this report. So just actions then from the problem cow report. Um, as I said, you want to CMT test each cow to ID the quarter or potentially quarters that you might be dealing with. Obviously, if it's a quarter scenario, uh, you're, you maybe have to make a decision around the cow what's going to happen with it. So a cow that is high that has had no past history, uh, you can use your profiles from ICBF. Uh, here are, you can also maybe just look at the, and I'll show it in a second, on the, on the actual problem cow report, you can see from the previous lactation how the cow performed. Uh, you need to look at the drying off strategy again. If there was a sealer only scenario and the cow was a high quarter, you could treat them. Now there's a question about antibiotic worthiness. Again, talking to Dennis Howard in Munster Bovine, who was on with us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Dennis was talking about this term antibiotic worthiness. So, uh, like you'll all be aware of those cows that you have on your farms, maybe that have had cases of mastitis down through the years. And look, we're all probably guilty of retaining these cows. It's, hard to part company with a cow just because they've had maybe a case of or two of mastitis in a lactation but if they're repeatedly getting this then antibiotic worthiness as Dennis refers to becomes questionable because they're not it's not curing um, so using an antibiotic there could actually potentially be contributing to a resistance building to the antibiotic and the fact that it's not going to cure the cow is also questionable and I suppose the other thing that we in discussions about this in the last week or so again um, we're actually, I know of a, a guy that was in, uh, in New Zealand a couple, couple of years ago on a placement and they didn't actually treat the cow as soon as they got the, identified the case of mastitis. They actually sampled the quarter uh, and were culturing the quarter on the farm to identify the cause of mastitis because it's important that people realise that there's gram-negative and gram-positive bacteria there that cause mastitis uh, and some of the gram, I think it's gram-negative, yeah, can actually potentially cure itself. Now, obviously, there will be a cell count response to that from the point of view that there's an inflammation and an infection occurs, but the animal can actually manage to fend that off without uh, getting any antibiotic necessarily, whereas the gram-positives will need treatment. Uh, so growing, uh, so I, I suppose identifying what the, the cause of the, the um, mastitis is in the first place is the angle that they were coming at in New Zealand and whether it was worth treating then is, is so that antibiotic wardenness probably falls into that category as well. So if it's something that's going to cure itself, then obviously there is no point in using an antibiotic. What the recommendation is there is that you would use a, an anti-inflammatory initially uh, on identification of the antibiotic of the, the mastitis, test it, see if uh, it's showing up a problem or if it's a problem that's going to be treated with antibiotics and then you go in with the antibiotics the next time around. Uh, and obviously the, the anti-inflammatory then just works away to keep down the swelling, which will help the animal to deal with the problem better. So again, then just if you did use an antibiotic concealer and you have problems with those, these cows that are showing up in the reports, um, again, you have to question the effectiveness of the dry cow. Was it a problem with the cow or is it a problem with the dry cow uh, therapy that was used or is it a problem with yourself in terms of the way you applied it potentially or the conditions in which it was applied? Again, coming back to the point that the milk is of high value this year, you can continue to milk that cow for the season, but you need to dip the clusters or definitely disinfect clusters in some way between cows so that you're not going to spread that um, cell count problem from cow to cow. And then you should be looking at calling and they are definitely not breeding. I suppose, again, if they're repeat offenders, you just really have to ask the question, should they be staying on the farm to be milked in 2022 again? 
So what to do with the high cows, I suppose, uh, you can cull the cow or cull the quarter. Um, and as, as I've already alluded to, the fact that the milk price is so good, culling a cows is highly unlikely in a lot of cases. People are going to drive on. Um, the option to dry or cull off the offending quarter is, is a good one instead. So how do you go about this? So Dan is describing this method to me. Um, again, I suppose there's a word of caution has to be uh, voiced with this. There is a risk associated with this, but the time to do this is probably now because we're uh, generally nearly all out of grass. I know we've been struggling a little bit for grass growth and the weather is still cold at the moment and we're not getting the growth that we'd like to be getting at this stage maybe, but uh, it should be coming. Um, or we're at least able to stay out day and night in most places. So you're out in a clean environment, basically. And the other thing is the fly season, because it's cold, still hasn't really kicked off yet. So to try and call a quarter is good now at this stage because you want to have a risk of flies spreading it. So the objectives that you want to do is close down the quarter. So what you're going to do is milk the cow as a treaty to the cow for three out of four milkings for six to eight days. Um, on the fourth milking, you then milk all quarters, but you'll be dumping that rather than putting it into the tank or feed to beef calves. So point number one around the feeding to beef calves here, I suppose, or, or warning number one around the beef calves is that there is a risk if you're running your beef calves with your dairy heifers for the first season, and uh, some beef calves tend to be devils for suckling other stock as well, they, um, they could potentially spread Staph aureus infection in particular that may be being fed to them in the dump milk uh, onto the teats if they're suckling the teats of the Frisian heifers that you're planning on having in your herd in two years time. And this can result in blind quarters. And Don gave me an example actually of where he's seen a farmer with um, the anti-suckling devices on all his uh, Frisian heifers um, to stop them from sucking one another to, because he was getting a lot of blind quarters. And he actually, while Don thought it was interesting to see or kind of amusing almost to see all these animals with the anti-suckle devices on them. Uh, the farmer said it had worked quite significantly from him from the point of view of reducing the number of blind quarters that he had got. Um, dumping the evening milking then because it's actually the lowest volume, that you, so you're losing the, the least vol amount of volume by doing that, I suppose. The cow will gradually shut down that quarter. I suppose you need to be, I suppose, a bit savvy around how you do this, obviously, as I said, six to eight days of milking to, to do this, and they generally start to close it down. Um, I suppose you just have to be aware that if the cow does bag up a lot in the quarter that you may need to just repeat kind of step two there and milk it as a 40 to cow again every now and then just to clear it out. What you're trying to do is avoid the, the like by just stopping milking that quarter completely there's a risk that they could actually just develop mastitis in it. I suppose you just need to be cautious around that so there is a more a, a strong warning I suppose with trying to do this but uh, if it can be done and some guys are doing it quite successfully where they just knock out that quarter. And, and some of those cows that could be very high in cell count could actually drop back to below 200,000 by taking out one quarter. So uh, there is potential, I suppose, in young cows as well that it could actually cure the quarter because a long, they're getting quite literally getting a very long dry period on that quarter. Depending on the source of the mastitis or the cause of the mastitis in the first place, uh, it may actually... Uh, Man, uh, manifest itself into seeing that the the um, quarter would actually calve down or she could calve down next season with uh, no problems in the quarter as a result. So just uh, two, question, or two questions in there. There's one question, what is CMT, I suppose, and uh, we're guilty of using acronyms in all the time. So CMT is a California milk test. It's a paddle test, it's known as. 
uh, it uses a, a, sol a solution or a reagent where you milk the, the, the quarters into the paddle and you add the reagent to it and that can, it just creates a gelling effect where there's high cell count uh, and people can identify the quarters using that. And the other, um, I suppose, there, there should be an article on Chagas Daily uh, over the next couple of days in relation to this topic as well that I've done with Dan. Uh, and we actually have a, a, a link to the video of Dan doing cell, uh, CMT testing for people to refer to if you want to. And then there's another question then, have we any research done on garlic bolus treatment? Uh, in Chagas itself, we haven't any research done on it. I suppose, um, the, like, again, Dan is the specialist in this area, but I, I, can't, I have to tend, I'm in tending to agree with him that in many cases, we can't see consistent performance from the boluses. So we're a little bit dubious uh, as to their claims, I suppose, in terms of their effectiveness. And as I've already outlined to you there, uh, quite a number of mastitis cases can actually cure themselves if they are from a particular family of, of uh, bacteria. Uh, and sometimes the bolus may appear to have cured the case of mastitis, but the cow could actually have potentially cured it themselves. So I think, uh, look, there's nobody in the industry wouldn't like for these things to be working properly because it would get us away from the whole use of antibiotics for the, in the starting point. And obviously the issues around antibiotic milk going into, into silos, et cetera, as well, so that, which is a major concern for both farmers and the co-ops as well. So if they were working effectively, we, everybody would be behind them. But I suppose we don't have consistent performance from them that we feel that we can recommend them. So um, unfortunately, we wouldn't be very, uh, it wouldn't be high on the list of recommendations we'd be giving to people in relation to dealing with mastitis cases, okay? so. So that's the, the presentation. I'm just going to stop sharing this screen now. So this is an example of a problem cow report. I suppose I'll just jump to the, the cell check report first. So this is just, again, this is a live example, I suppose, um, of a herd that recorded at the end of February, a herd that records monthly, actually. And you can see that in the first recording that they did, they had approximately, if you add these numbers together now, you'll get the total number of cows that were recorded. So you can see that there's 69 there, uh, plus seven is um, 670, uh, 76 cows or so were recorded. And 20% of them, which is higher than the 10% target, have calved down with cell count greater than uh, 200,000 that had actually were dried off with cell count less than 200,000. Uh, of the heifers, they're actually okay in terms of the heifers. 14% is close to the 15%, but again, the numbers aren't massive, I suppose. And again, you need, well, most of the heifers are probably calved in that herd by the end of February anyway. Um, so you're probably okay in terms of uh, cell count problems. Again, the numbers can be slight in terms of percentages. Can You need to be cautious there sometimes. But obviously, we can see that there, again, the numbers are small here. So we'd probably like to see the second recording to fully assess the cure rate over the dry period. But when you see this combined with uh, cows getting a uh, higher cell count in the early stages of the subsequent lactation, you would wonder, are the two linked together? Uh, so we had moderate performance of the dry cow therapy here, and we obviously have a, a, an issue here for some reason. So we've nearly 20% of the cows calving down with higher cell counts than what they were dried off at. So that would start alarm bells ringing, I suppose, and you would go looking into that if that's the case on your report. And then I suppose, you move to the problem cow report. So I'll just look at a couple here at the top of the report here. You can see that cell count on that day of the test, which was, uh, uh, as I said, late February, the 24th of February identified here, 
uh, was 4.6 million. So obviously quite a significant uh, cell count in that animal. You can see that she's a ninth lactation cow. She's calved 20 days, and this is her first test for the year. Um, test greater than 200,000 obviously is one because it's the first test uh, for the year, and no mastitis treatment is recorded here at the moment for this cow. Um, uh, and there hasn't actually any mastitis treatment recorded for that herd for the first rec recording. Now, there, there was, um, they've recorded again there towards the end of March, and there was mastitis treatments recorded in that, at that stage. And they'll appear there. So if, if for example, uh, there was a cow treated for mastitis on the 26th or 27th of February, it was recorded. The next recording report that comes back, that if the cow is still on a problem cow report or is on a problem cow report, um, the mastitis treatment date will show up here showing that the, or the mastitis treatment will show up here and the date of the most recent treatment will show up here. Okay, So it's important here as well that when you are recording that information, you're only recording the actual incidence of mastitis. So people that are recording the drugs being administered, as you should be, uh, don't, in, don't put that in as a case of mastitis basically every time you're, you're, you're administering the treatment. You're just putting it in as a, a once-off case. And then if it's a second case at a, a later stage, then you do that again. Um, so as I said, 4.6 million for 1941 there. She's an older cow. She had one test in her previous lactation. So you can see there that this is referring, this column down here is referring to the previous lactation. She had one test last year where she was over 200,000. And uh, if the treatment rec recording is right, which when you look down here and see here, as you can see that there is some recording of treatment taking place, and um, she didn't have any mastitis issue last year that would have uh, required a treatment. So, but she did have an episode at some point um, where she was going over 200,000. As we move down through them, I suppose you can see 2723 is a fifth lactation cow. We have a third lactation cow here, another fifth lactation, another fifth lactation. And down at the bottom of the screen here, we have a third lactation. Again, they're contributing quite a lot. So the first two cows alone are contributing at just over 31% of the, of the volume of the cell count problem in, or the cell count that's been calculated for the herd. So if you were to take them out, if you had a very high cell count, and actually on the cell check report for that herd, I think they were at 304 of a cell count uh, on the day of the recording. So if you were to remove that, you'd be taking out 30% of the problem basically, and you'd be moving up into far, over 40% by taking out, and nearly 50% by taking out those first four cows. So I suppose Dan would make the point that we can often see cell count at the, at the um, processor going quite well, uh, but when we do the recordings, then we see an issue because these cows have been removed from the, the tank, maybe are being fed to calves, etc., uh, rather than being submitted to the processor. And then when the calves are weaned, so we're beginning to move into that phase now, maybe um, in some cases. And then generally, you're kind of as you flip from May into June, you see a situation where the calves are weaned and uh, and the milk starts going into the tank again, and the cell count will rise up as a result of that. So what are we going to do with these cows, I suppose? Uh, like just, to, just to highlight down here, 2577, uh, 1.8 million of the cell count at the moment. Um, she had, had an average cell count last year of 526. She had eight tests. So she most of her tests last year were over 200,000, if not all. Uh, and she had two cases of mastitis last year. That cow, uh, I suppose, as I said already, given that the, the um, milk price is good, Potentially is that she's going to stay around for, for the next uh, number of months, but that cow should not be back in calf to calf down in, 
2022, even though she's only a fifth lactation. Now, looking at this herd, I suppose there is a, probably a bit of a, a floating issue within the herd. Uh, quite a number of cows have had uh, episodes where they've had high cell count, not necessarily mastitis, during the course of the last number of years. So there's kind of a, an issue potentially floating around within the herd. Um, so, but it's just important, I suppose, looking at, like if, if this is a first lactation animal, for example, you want to try and, as I said, keep a lid on this very early on, so you want to act on them. So we've no first, uh, first lactations here at the moment, I thought. Yeah, here's one. So this is a heifer that's calved down this year, and she's 1.2 million. So this is an animal that you definitely be going after in terms of uh, trying to sort her out, basically, because obviously you want to try and maximize her lifetime in the herd. Whereas, as I said, the history behind 2577 is questionable as to whether she should stay in the herd or not. Um, I suppose there's probably a, a definite requirement here for culture and sensitivity to identify what tube needs to be used or what antibiotics need to be used here to try to treat some of these animals, in particular the first lactation animal here and maybe the third and fourth lactations. If they haven't had problems before, but in this case both of them have, uh, you would wonder, um, or they, they may respond to treatment, but you would wonder in this scenario, are they going to respond to treatment from the point of view that they've had high cell counts and they have been given um, a drycotherapy um, to during the previous, uh, from the last lactation, and they are still giving trouble. So I suppose just look at it, looking at those, we need to CMT test those cows. So do the paddle tests on them, identify the quarters, Again, as I said, there's potential maybe to dry off a quarter in some of those cows to uh, to get them through the season, I suppose. And I suppose if they're young cows, and as I said, they don't have a massive case history behind them, there may be potential for them to calve down again next year with a decent cell count. But I think you have to be expecting that they're not going to calve down well the coming year. So if they're bad last year and they're bad this year, I think you have to be looking at removing them. Whereas if they're only coming bad this year, may try to deal with them for this year and give them the benefit of the doubt to see how they perform next year and then see are they going to crop up in this category again then next year where they're problematic again in 2022 having been problematic in 2021. So I suppose it's important to highlight that you need to try and get it on top of this because it can spread throughout the herd and obviously then if it is spreading and you're calling cows on the basis of cell count or having to call cows on the basis of cell count or maybe not calling cows because you don't have the options to replace them. You're just kind of pushing against the hill all the time in relation to trying to manage the cell count. So consider the calling of the cow if they're very bad, if there's a lot of quarters that are troublesome. So two, if they have two plus quarters, obviously troublesome, there really isn't any other option for them, I think. Uh, if there's only one quarter, the option is there to call that quarter. But I think it is probably important that people do uh, culture and sensitivity with those as well, just to make sure that they know what they're dealing with uh, in terms of the, the um, causative agent on the farm, okay? So then, uh, just to move on, I suppose, just to the lifetime report that I talked about. So these reports are new. Uh, this year, they came out during the summer of last year. They're basically putting a, a lifetime performance or a margin per day uh, figure on the, uh, on the cows for, based on their milk recording information. And they highlight the, the ones, the top 20% are highlighted in green, as you can see down here on the right, and the poor performers. This is their lifetime uh, angle, whereas the ones here are showing the, the current year to date, so the current year, uh, and the ones that are in the bottom 20% of the groupings are uh, highlighted here in uh, red. 
So I suppose, look, there's multiple pages of these there. Um, I'll just try and scroll down through them here just to show you. So this is third lactation group, okay? And as you move down through it, then you move on to the second lactation. So obviously, first, first calvers are going to produce probably uh, somewhere between 75% and 85% of the, the yield or, or output of a, a third mature coat, so a third lactation plus coat. So obviously, if you were to rank them against one another within the same grouping, they'd get fairly disadvantaged by that fact. So they separate out the first and second lactation because second lactation will only produce maybe 85 to 90% performance of third lactation animals plus. Um, so they separate out both of those character, uh, groupings um, to give you the top 20% and bottom 20% within them again. Um, so I suppose uh, from my point of view, I think you have to have a look at each of those ones that are identified in the first and second lactation in particular to see how they're performing. Um, when they're in the red there, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be in the red if they, when they move into that mature group, okay? So I suppose I wouldn't necessarily always um, be inclined to rush in to call out a, a first or second calver on the basis that they've shown up red on this report. Um, and sometimes I would advise as well that people would look at the reds on these reports as well just to see because if a cow gets sick um, during the course of, the, of uh, their, one of their early lactations, we'd say, so they're a third lactation animal getting sick here, they may not necessarily perform quite well on their early recordings here. Uh, and they may not, there may not be anything wrong with that cow, but they just got a setback for some reason. So I think it's important that people are aware that they, like just because they're in red doesn't necessarily mean that they shouldn't go out of the herd straight away, but it does, it's a very strong pointer in, in terms of their capability to produce milk into the future for you. So I suppose it's useful from the point of view that it's pulling a lot of information together very quickly, these reports. And it may, means that as people begin to move into their AI season now for the coming, in the coming week or just having commenced their AI season this week, that you can identify cows very quickly that you should really scratch your head about as to whether they should get a straw at all, not to mind the dairy straw. Um, and generally this is down to poor milk performance. They may have fertility, uh, which obviously is an important aspect. And you can see here that there's quite strong fertility figures in some of those over 100 there on that cow there. And even on these two red cows here, you have 86 and 108. So very fertile cows potentially, but very weak and so on their milk sub-index and not really producing the goods in terms of milk yield and milk performance. So as I said at the outset, you're looking to have the strongest team that you can have on the pitch. Uh, and these ladies probably aren't going to contribute to you having good subs coming through in the next number of years. So beef straw at a minimum um, and potentially not bread at all would be the other scenario. So I suppose, um, just to come back to the presentation, I think now again. So just to summarize, uh, in relation to using your first milk recording, it's important that you're using it to assess drying off success or failure. Uh, hopefully success. You want to see why cows didn't cure, so you, you use the profiles, which are, say, when you go into your own ICBF details on, online, you can go through profiles and you can see a lot of information that you can't actually see on the reports that are, are printed because obviously it can go back quite a, a number of uh, collections or recordings and so forth. And you need to do follow-up maybe with culture and sensitivity. And as I said, I think it's worthwhile doing culture and sensitivity anyway during the course of the lactation as well to make sure that the, the lactation mastitis tube that you could be that you will be using generally somebody you're going to have some case mastitis during the course of the year um, that you're using is effective and maybe any other antibiotic that might be being used 
is effective and then consider that whole treatment worthiness as well when it comes to actually using antibiotics as well and then you want to try and use the report to control somatic cell count early on uh, through the use of that problem cow report consider the treatment whether it's worthwhile or not for and as as i said if they have case histories um, you have to question whether it's going to be worth treating and if it's not worth treating then can you manage it in another way either call the cow if they're very bad obviously with, with multiple quarters or calling the quarters is a good option is a quite a good option for people i suppose uh, in terms of you're not going to cut the production performance of that cow by 25 percent by taking out a quarter it, there will be slightly lower production because she obviously won't be producing milk on four quarters but many of you will be well aware that three quarter cows that end up on three quarters for one reason or another uh, can produce quite a volume of milk uh, in, in spite of the fact that they're only operating on three quarters as well. And then the, the, the new lifetime reports, as I said, those coloured reports, they, there was coloured reports there before, but they weren't pulling the data together the way the lifetime report is pulling it together now. They can help you make better breeding decisions and, and this is the week to be doing it or in the next week or two is the next week is the week to be identifying those cows not to be bred. As I said, we're very focused on getting cows bred over the next three weeks in particular, trying to drive our submission rate. But there are some cows that are going to present themselves for AI and you will question whether they should be served or not. Because one, they may not be performing in terms of milk performance and then obviously the ongoing cell count issues which are going to have the potential to damage your herd uh, into the future. So that's it, I suppose, uh, in terms of... Um, we're covering today i suppose uh, like to thank you for tuning in and uh wish you well for the week and best of luck with the breeding season that's all for this week's let's talk dairy webinar series and don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week i'll be back with our usual dairy edge interview on monday so do listen in then i'm emma louise coffee and thanks for listening